0: Welcome to the Founders Story Podcast, where we learn from entrepreneurs about their journey from their first inspiration to their first employee, and even the steps they took to become the powerhouses they are today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Founder Story podcast. I am your host, Rick Porter, and today I am joined by a very special guest. His name is John J. Barron. He's actually the founder of Barron Law Title and Closings. Uh, Barron Law is actually a boutique law firm specializing exclusively in real estate and closings with over 15 years of experience in the industry. They're actually well known for problem solving and personal relationships with their clients, I am one of those clients multiple times. Jay has actually uh, represented me multiple times and done an amazing job. He's built an absolutely amazing law firm, uh, which is why we invited him on the show. We want to hear your founder story, Jay, so welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So let me set the stage. I'm going to talk about what I do know about you, and then what we want to do is just hear your story from the very beginning all the way up to today. So here's what I know about you. Born and raised in Uxbridge, Massachusetts. You then went off to serve your country as an Army uh, combat radio operator. Thank you for your service. You graduated from Worcester State College, then went on to Suffolk University Law School and graduated there. You worked as an associate for multiple firms. Then you decided to take the leap into entrepreneurship, co-founding, con and baron llc and then eventually founded baron law title and closings did i get it mostly right on the timeline
1: it's perfect <laughs> sounds perfect
0: so here's what i want to do i just want to hear your founder story let's take me all the way back to the getting born and rage in uxbridge Massachusetts. tell me a little bit about jay were you a punk kid or were you a good kid
1: uh i i, I caused a few problems back <laughs> in uxbridge and if anybody from uxbridge uh, hears this uh they'll think, agree. They, they might know. Um, so I got into a little bit of trouble just doing dumb small-town kid things. And um, at one point, uh, a police officer and a judge said, you know, you should probably go talk to a recruiter. <laughs> so I went and talked to an Army recruiter, and, and it was probably one of the best things I ever did. Um, went off to the Army, uh, spent four years there, did a lot of growing up. Uh, got out. Uh, after spending four years in the Army, there there weren't a lot of girls around. So <laughs> I took my GI Bill money, and I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I was never a very good student, but I'll, I'll try going to college, right? So um, I started at Worcester State for nursing and realized that I really didn't have the stomach <laughs> for that. All right. Um, met a couple of professors in my elective courses and started thinking about law and law school, Um. And I, I, t- I took a, I declared myself as a sociology major, got really good grades at Worcester State, applied to a bunch of schools, got into Northeastern, Penn State, Mass School of Law, and Suffolk. I chose Suffolk because of the location and their alumni. Uh, I knew that they, that I was going to practice in Massachusetts, and they have one of the biggest alumni around here, so I thought...
0: Good connections.
1: Yeah, too. I thought that would get me a job. Yeah. Um, so I, I did very well there as well um, got out didn't really know what to do took a job for an unethical lawyer um, that really gave me bad advice and quit uh, not too much longer after that you know kind of bounced around from job to job and then finally I met Jim Kahn who's another great local real estate attorney uh, he kind of took me under his wing taught me everything we we yeah, we were working as um law officer james m Khan, and then eventually he said well you know you're, you're kind of doing your own thing why don't why don't i make you my a partner so i don't lose you uh, we did that for a couple of years uh and then recently jim got offered a job for another firm he i think he got tired of being self-employed uh he that same offer came to me to go to that firm and i said no uh I, I don't like to say it out loud, but I'll say it so everybody can hear it. I'm pretty much unemployable. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I, I, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, I, I like to make my own rules. Okay. You know, I, I work a lot. I work long hours, but I, I do things my own way. It's, yep. it's always been that way. And, and entrepreneurialism is really the only path for me. It's the only way I've ever succeeded. I, I've been a great employee for two or three years, and then... Something would happen. Some new leadership would come in. Same thing in the military. You know, I, I really thrived for the first couple of years. And then when it came time to ETS, I was like, nah, you know what? This, this isn't for me. I, I don't like taking orders. Yep. Um, so the entrepreneurial thing was, was the only way to go for me. I stayed, changed the name of the firm from Conan Barron to Barron Law. Uh, it has grown substantially. Uh, and and I'm pretty sure I'm going to do this till I'm 100 years old. It's it's not physically demanding, so uh, I, I don't have any plans to retire. I'm going to continue to do it. It's been great to me. Um, what I really love about it is, I when I got out of the army, I took my $5,000 that I had left and I put a down payment on a multifamily house. Uh, that multifamily house gave me the opportunity to go to college and law school. The GI Bill money did too, sure. But I I would have had to have worked um, a lot more than I did, and I probably wouldn't have been as successful in college if not for that rental money coming in. So then I took the equity from that house, and I bought another multifamily, and and I kept doing that. And those multifamilies have been my path to wealth as, as much as my law firm has, my rental properties too. So I really believe in owning real estate. And so, you know, I could be a divorce lawyer and help people, you know, ruin their families. I could, um, you know, I could represent criminals and, and help keep criminals out of jail. But with this firm, I help people build wealth just like I did. And I help them realize the American dream. And, and that is... That is my purpose. That is something exciting to get up and go to work to do every single day. Um, and, and it, you know, some people, when I go back to uh, class reunions and stuff like that, my, my classmates say, well, isn't that boring? You know, we get to argue this and we get to argue that. It's never boring. It's I, I'm excited every day to meet people, a uh, whole bunch of young first-time homebuyers, a whole bunch of immigrant homebuyers, you know, building wealth. And, and I've seen people in my 15 years who started out, you know, practically below the poverty line and and now have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank, whether it's from buying multiple properties or simply buying a property at the right time Mm -hmm. and then cashing out five years later and parlaying that into another house where they have more equity and put more down and have less of a mortgage payment and things like that.
0: I love it. And so I want to dive into that a little bit because I think that's pretty unique. A lot of people, you know, I think everybody wants to do and get paid for what they're passionate about, but it doesn't always happen. You got out of the military, had five thousand dollars in savings, GI Bill is sending you to school, and that five thousand dollars you put in the rental property. But
1: why law? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, in, in I again, I went because you could have been a real
0: estate, right? You could have gone into real estate, you could have gone into a lot of things related to that, but what. You know, I, I know you said you took some business law classes. Was it just the professors inspiring you? What, what made you think law was the way to go?
1: So honestly, I, I started out in nursing, and then a couple of professors really interested me in sociology. And, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was probably just going to get a sociology degree. But as time went on, and I realized how good the real estate was. And again, I bought a second property. E- even then, I wasn't thinking about real estate law, but I, I beat a speeding ticket. <laughs> I know it's stupid, right? It's, it's amazing how we find our path. Yeah. But I, I beat a speeding ticket, and I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't know. What am I going to do after college with a sociology degree? Yeah. You know, maybe I should think about going to law school. I, I was bartending. I bartended all around Worcester for 12 years uh, during college, during law school, and even for the first couple years of being an entrepreneur and opening my firm, I didn't have a lot of money because I didn't have a lot of clients yet. Yeah, so that's your side hustle. Yep, um, and, and so through that, I thought, well, maybe you know, mayb- maybe I would be a good lawyer, and and I can continue to bartend and make this kind of money. Uh, I'm working nights. What am I going to do with my days? Sit around and watch television? No, <laughs> you know, so I'll go to law school. So yeah. I went to Suffolk for three years and, and and got the degree, and then again got out, still not knowing I was going to do real estate, even though I own two properties. That at was that my time. next question. Yeah, yeah, and then. Again, I worked for that divorce firm, and, and I really I was completely turned off by it. I, I didn't want to do criminal law, and nobody was really offering me a job um, of anything that, that, I, that I would have liked to have done. Yep. You know, again, it was all divorce law or criminal defense. Yep.
0: And then you met Jim Kahn right around that time.
1: Yep, so Jim Kahn had been my lawyer when I bought one of the properties. Okay. So I, I actually went to Jim and said, hey, Jim, I, I know you're probably not uh, hiring anybody, but how about if you just teach me to do real estate? And, and you know, looking at the real estate agent model, I said, I'll give you a commission. You know, I'll give you 30% of whatever I earn. And he was like, I can't lose. Like, I'm going to yeah. give you a desk, and, and <laughs> maybe I'll make some money. Yeah. You know, In the first year, he didn't make a lot of money. In the second year, he made a little bit more, and in the third year, he made me a partner.
0: Yeah. So he made a lot of money in the he, third year. <laughs> he,
1: he, he did. He, he did okay. We, we did right by each other. Yeah. Um, anything he got from me was was well worth the training that he gave me, and, and I'm forever grateful for that.
0: Yeah. No. That sounds great. I mean, to me, it sounds like that is that's probably what closed the deal and really settled you in real estate law. it's not necessarily. It might not have been that you knew you wanted to practice real estate law. Probably until you found him and he kind of, like you said, mentored you a little bit and, and brought you into that business. You, you probably knew what you didn't want to do, but it sounds like he was probably that greatest influence.
1: Yeah, you just hit it right on the head. And you, you uh, how was
0: how, how was your relationship with him as you guys were going through? Was it truly that mentor-type relationship? Um, anybody else that you met that was kind of influential along the way in that real estate market or in the loft? Uh,
1: I, I mean... Real estate is very congenial, you know, so we all, uh, every once in a while I have a question, I'll send out a mass email to 25 of my colleagues, some people might call them competitors, but they're not, they're peers, we're, we're, we're all getting along in real estate, there's plenty of transactions for everybody, so I don't see us as competitors, but uh, just in the past two weeks, you know, I went looking for some case law, and I sent out an email, and I got 14 emails back on on one, one inquiry, you know, giving me a whole bunch of cases so I didn't have to spend, you know, 10 hours in the library doing looking up research. Makes yeah, sense. People had already been down that road. So it, it, it's very congenial. So all, everybody in the the real estate bar, especially around Worcester County, because that's what, I, you know, I'm all over Massachusetts, but the majority of my stuff is here. Yep. Um, so so yeah, th- they're all mentors. But honestly, the gym was instrumental. And I'm forever grateful. And even to this day, even now that he's at a different firm, I still reach out to him every once in a while. you know. Sure. And, and likewise, I, because I do a lot of volume. So every once in a while, he'll reach out to me with something new that he hasn't seen yet and say, hey, have, have you seen this yet? When, when we f- When I first started out, now the market's really good. But when I first started out, it was 2005. And the market crashed shortly after that. So a lot of attorneys hadn't really touched short sales and foreclosures and stuff like that. And I didn't have any business, so I just took whatever came through the door, and I kind of became an expert on that stuff. So sometimes Jim would come to me and say, hey, I'm, I just took on this short sale. What can you tell me about And I had already done, you know, 200. Episodes. Yeah, just like it. Yep,
0: Makes sense. So I want to talk about that volume. So, you know, you, Jim moves on, you, you rebrand the firm, Baron Law, Titled and Closings, uh, and business really starts to take off is there anything that you contribute to that success? Like, you know, what took off, uh, you know, helped take that growth off and, and really starting to adding to your business? Because, you know, we've known each other for a while, um, and I feel like every time I, I swing over there, you got more people and you're doing and you're doing more and more transactions. Anything in particular led to all that?
1: Yeah, and, and having your people set up more workstations <laughs> for, for uh, more employees. <laughs> we certainly so, appreciate so you that. that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know... I, I have ideas, uh, and, and I guess probably talk to my clients, but I've been very fortunate with two very powerful paralegals that run the business as if they own it along with me. Uh, they, they take total ownership of it. So even when I'm in a closing and they're taking calls and handling things, they're, they're handling them tremendously. Um, How'd you find those? How'd you find that type of paralegal trial and error? Yeah I've, I've been through a lot of uh, employees <laughs> and, and I've got three really great ones yeah. uh, and hopefully any of my past employees that are hearing this <laughs> I, don't I, take offense. I, don't it. get me wrong. <laughs> s- several of them have, have left me to you know to go to bigger firms or didn't like real estate or something like that. Um, but, yeah, it, good help is hard to find, yeah. and, and, and I, I've just been very fortunate. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that I am a, um, a, a PR expert or anything like that. My sister-in-law was a uh, recruiter, and she gave me some advice right from the beginning, which I followed, um, but again, I've, I've hired some duds.
0: So what's that advice? Share with the listeners.
1: Uh, I, I've got a sheet, you know, um, <laughs> that, that I <laughs> A whole bunch at. of things. Yeah, she's got like a checklist of stuff that I'm supposed to check during my interviews. I, I don't really know off the top of my head. Gotcha. Sorry.
0: That's okay. So people, obviously, a huge contributor to your success. But, you know, when I, I think we first connected through uh, a, a realtor, right? So I used a, a phenomenal realtor. Uh, in my opinion, he only worked with... The best of the best. He actually re- recommended you, and that's how we probably first ever got connected. Is that where a lot of your business comes from? Does it come from a variety of sources? Because you have a very good reputation in this area, and I feel like everybody has known you, or used you, or run into you, or maybe come up against you kind of thing. Um, where does all that business come from? Is it usually from realtors?
1: Yeah, so the realtors definitely drive business, right? And, and reputation matters. So the the majority of my business comes from realtors and banks, right? So we close mortgage loans for banks. A- and we're on, you know, 10 to 15 lists in regular rotation, and we close for 200 to 250. You know, all the, all the large national ones like Wells Fargo and Quicken and stuff like that, like we, we get deals from them. But there's also a whole bunch of local banks um, that we just get a steady stream from. A- and then, of course, through that, there's two real estate agents on every single transaction, yeah. so they're exposed to me. Um, and, and some of them actually drive the deal to me, and then I reach out to the bank. So it comes in all different sources. But what a, a really big compliment for me is once a month I'll get a call from the real estate agent on the other side or the client on the other side, and says, "Hey, you were you represented the buyer of this transaction? We represented the seller, and we really liked what you did. Can you now represent us?" And, yeah. and that's a that's a huge compliment to me. You know, they had a lawyer. Uh, and they came to my office and saw me talking to my client or something like that and then decided, well, this, this is a pretty good lawyer for me. Yeah. So that's, a, that's a huge compliment.
0: No, I, I agree. So you don't want to retire. Why is that?
1: Uh, I, you know, I might slow down, um, but it, the job is not physically demanding. It's mentally demanding. Um, and, again, I love it. I wake up in the morning. I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and, and I can't wait to jump on my computer. You know, the first thing I do when I get up, I you know, I might meditate for a minute or stretch or something like that to get my mind right, but I, I jump right on my computer with my breakfast while my family sleeps, and I spend a good three hours doing all my deep work, concentrating, you know, getting all the work out for the day. So, so when the clients start showing up, and the employees start showing up, and the phone starts ringing, my work's done for the day, and I can focus on people instead of trying to review a contract or review some closing numbers or review a property or something like that, that way there, everybody's quiet between four and seven. Nobody's, yeah. <laughs> nobody's really reaching out to me except people like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it, it, it's all good. There's, there's a few, there's a, you know, there's a few people that I exchange emails with where early morning people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I wake up and I'm fired up about it. Uh, and then the end of the day comes and, and if I didn't love my family so much, I'd stay there, but I want to get home to them too. Yeah. So
0: makes perfect sense. So the future is always a hard question to answer when we say, you know, what what's the future look like? What are your goals, plans, and stuff like that? And it being, you know, August 2020, we're, we're right in the middle of a pandemic. I understand it's even, even an even harder question to answer. But do you have any particular plans or goals for the future? Anything you're looking uh, to strategize or, or work towards in the near future?
1: I know that the industry is probably going to get more and more automated. So through my awesome IT company, you know, we're trying to stay ahead of that and make sure that we don't get left behind technologically. Because let's face it, the whole world is moving along with technology. And, and my IT company, Cinch IT, really helps me stay ahead of that. Uh, there's, there's software and there's firewalls and there's, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, compliance, you know, that w- when a bank wants me to do a closing for them, they immediately say, well, who's your IT company? What are you doing for compliance? What, you know, what safeties do you have in place? And and I have everything right there at the ready for them, uh, and that helps out a lot. So I don't know what technology is going to bring. Uh, but, again, w- my partnerships with my technology company, um, we're staying ahead of it.
0: People are definitely going to think I paid you to say this on <laughs> no, that's, on the podcast. That's the truth. So basically focusing on technology to make sure that you stay relevant, stay compliant, stay automated, able to keep moving forward because your, your industry is changing quite a bit. The,
1: the future is, is automated. You know, maybe not for trial lawyers, but for real estate lawyers. More every single year, you know. comes a little bit more transactional. yeah yeah, a little bit more online yeah right so more and more stuff is going online and becoming electronic before everything was done in my office uh we you know 15 years ago yes we had microsoft word but you were still like marking up a contract now now we redline it we email it over i mean it's to the point where i i talk to clients over the phone but i don't have to and a lot of other lawyers don't i choose to because i want to talk to them i want to review the contracts with them i want to talk to them but Many transactions, I only sit down face-to-face with that client once at the closing table to sign the documents because the documents need to be notarized. Otherwise, they would probably do that by Zoom or teleconference. Uh, if, if they ever go to an electronic notary, you know my physical office will probably become obsolete and yeah. every, everything will go online. But right now, you need to be present in front of me, which I like, um, but I will adapt if, if it goes to something else. But I, I like the, the face-to-face interaction. I really enjoy that.
0: I love it. Well, listen, it was a great founder story. I've witnessed you firsthand. I've witnessed your great paralegals and the firm and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly highly recommended by me, which is why I wanted to bring you on the show. I think people can learn from, from your experience, uh, learn from the growth of your company. I, I think uh, it's a pretty inspiring story. I love the fact that, uh, you know, you grew up local, went into the Army, came out and just worked your way through school, you know, chose a career that was purposeful for you. Um, if you ask me, I think that's probably why you are so good at what you're doing is and is what made you as successful as you are today. So I appreciate you sharing your founder's story with us. Any words of wisdom you give to long, young lawyers? Would it be go into the real estate, stay away from real estate, or only if it's within your passion?
1: So here's my cliche that I say all the time. If you love doing homework, become a lawyer. If you are the kind of person that wants to punch in and punch out, do not become a lawyer
0: makes perfect sense. Thanks for sharing your founder story. Guys, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the founder story podcast. Be sure to rate review and subscribe to the show. And don't forget to check out some of the other great stories.